Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about the classical world, otherwise known as two of my friends mocking me yes. while I make an introduction. That's the only reason we do this. Anyway. Sorry. It's all right. Um, so... You were speaking in Canadian slang before we started this episode, so it's our duty to mock hey man, you. Give her one Huntendi. Nope, that's not a thing that we should ever put on a recording. So three bros go on a journey okay. to see a horse race. Okay. But we get waylaid along, or maybe it's more like two bros. Me and Thomas are going on a journey to see a horse race. Okay. And yet, emerging from the side of the road is a scruffy um, <laughs> philosopher who approaches us and says, what is justice? Yeah. That is book two okay. That's real of close. Plato's <laughs> Republic. Some of the primary plot points are just a little bit different. Nope. 100% uh, correct. They waylay him and ask him what oh, his justice is. Close enough. And then he just feels sort of but you are, taken prisoner. Do you take uh, umbrance which being, with being known as a scruffy philosopher? Me? Yeah. No. no. There I'm go. sure you awesome. take. Yeah, you so on that I, one. I only take umbrance with the second one, being called a philosopher. philosopher? Then people yeah. expect so much. Yeah. But scruffy. Scruffy. Yeah. I don't even have to shower. Yeah. <laughs> it's so gross. It's true. Do you guys true. know that Socrates and his wife didn't get along very well? I, I've heard this. Yeah. I mean, with that that whole like shtick of his, the Socratic I- ignorance sort of thing, it would him? probably get a little annoying over time. Horrible. Seriously. Like, like, do the dishes and be like, you know, what? What is it to do dishes? What is a dish? What is the point of a dish? <laughs> what are the different classifications of dish? Yeah, it'd be pretty terrible. In fact, his wife's name Zantippi now means ill-tempered woman. If you ever oh, look it up in the dictionary, womp womp. Yep. Not friendly. Okay, yeah. I'm talking about uh, Plato, His Republic, Book Two. That's what we're doing today. So if you think back to a previous episode, I did Plato's Book One, where he is kind of coming home from a parade, and yeah, they're can like, "Yeah, you give hey. us like a real quick recap? Real quick recap? Re- recap? <laughs> <laughs> Let's <laughs> not put a. Uh, I just say we're gonna get the explicit. Recap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't say that. It, it wasn't it was a family that bad. friendly show. Sounds gross. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So real quick recap. He was out at sort of a festival and then he's heading back home and some guys stop him and they're like, hey, we want to talk with you. And there are more of us than there are of you. So come with us. And he's like, okie doke. And they're like, also, there's a horse thing later tonight where they're going to pass a torch from hand to hand and that's going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. So he says, "Ah, I'd like to see that. So they're just going to chat for a while until the horse race happens. And so they're chatting. And in the first book, the question is, what is justice? He's talking with this old friend of his who basically says, I take solace in the notion that I've done justice my whole life. And... He says that's to to pay your debts, and I forget what the other half of it was. But Socrates takes umbrage with it, and wasn't it do your work? Was it do your work and pay your debt, or mind, do your, your, own mind work, your own business, mind, so, something like that? Yeah, I don't think it was mind your own business. I think it was be be uh, kind to your friends and Good pay friends. your debts, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and so he says that, and this guy Thrasymachus says. Well, it's better to do evil than good, and just it's better to seem good and do evil than anything else. And says all this stuff, and Socrates pretty much pulls apart his definitions until the guy sort of gets huffy and walks away. Which is probably what his most wife, why his wife is ill-tempered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is right. That's kind of mostly how things go for Socrates, is people talk to him, and then he sort of pulls things apart until they get huffy and leave. Yeah. So in book two, a couple of the dudes sitting there, Glaucon and his, and his buddy, or his brother, are like, you know what? What is, what is justice? <laughs> no, they say, we're not satisfied that you've done a good enough job. Good. Uh, Thrasymachus got huffy and he walked away. And the, the phrasing they use is, he's like a snake who was charmed too early by your words. And they say, we don't, we don't fully buy it. Like, we don't think you did a good enough job. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to lay out our argument for why justice is stupid. Hmm. Systematically, Wait, really? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, wow. and and so, kinda, so they are taking Thrasymachus' side. They are. Okay. They don't fully believe it, 
but I just like, want to see. I, I, no one has convinced us that justice is actually good, right? They, we hear people saying it all the time on both sides, and we'd like we'd really like to know. So let's they let's are, take Thrasymachus aside and just do a better job of it. The modern youth awashed yeah, in true. the re- along the relative seas, not this, knowing where the 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 islands of truth lie. That was, I was Socrates, getting philosophical with it, but we're talking <laughs> about Plato. Socrates, the wise can't, sailor. Can't get mad. What? what? Asking Socrates what to you, take them to Graham, the hallowed Graham, shores. Are you, are you okay? Are you, I'm an English teacher. <laughs> Good. You need to find all these metaphors. Is that? Good. That's kind of, that's interesting because at the end of last episode, I think we were also unsatisfied with how Socrates handled mm-hmm. Thrasymachus. So it's interesting. So Plato's Republic like follows that same thread. Yeah. His, his arguments were okay. They yep. just weren't. He was like, he was like to make you want to do ju- yeah. justice for the rest of your life. Yeah. It seemed like Socrates kind of missed the point on Thrasymachus's argument. So, yeah, this so, should be good. <clears throat> so first, the guys say there are three types of good, right? There are things that are pleasant and desirable for themselves, like simple pleasures, like having a nice bowl of noodles, right? Like chocolate. Or, just like a, or maybe good. just like sitting in the sun and having a nice you know, read of a book or uh-huh. have like a sparkly water, uh-huh. right? <laughs> it's a, Which Graham and I both nice. have right now. It's great. I've got yeah. one, too. It's fuzzy, hey. fuzzy water. Fuzzy water, Canadians. Okay, yeah, I don't. Fuzzy water does not make me feel good before. about it. We've, yeah. yeah, we've talked about this before. And then they say, so there's those that are pleasant, desirable for themselves. There are those things that are desirable for themselves and the ends that they bring. So knowledge, sight. So that's probably the wealth. Book. Reading a book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fun while you do it, and then it also brings a lot of health and stuff. Whereas like sitting in the sun might not bring health, but mm, it sure is nice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And then those that are desirable only for the ends that they bring, like exercise. Yeah, exercise or exercise, like dental surgery. There yeah, you go. yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. that is not good, but it is mm-hmm. a good for you. It's just really unpleasant while you're going. And they say, look, we are going to try to prove that justice is the third kind, desirable only for its ends. Wow. Mm. And we want you to prove to us. That it's the second kind, which is desirable desirable for itself and for its ends, right? We need to know that justice is desirable in and of itself. And so they go and they start laying out this thing. And they, they actually do a really systematic job of it. So they say, we're going to give you three points. Point number one, we're going to tell you the nature and origin of justice, where it came from. Point number two, we're going to show you that men who practice justice do it only of necessity. And point number three, that life for the unjust is better than life for the just. Wow. Okay. And they, so they're going to give him three points. So point one is that the origin of justice. So where do you think justice comes from? If you had to take a crack at it, what, what's its origin? An innate sense of right and wrong. I don't know. Um, uh, a necessary concept when to when autonomous people are living close to each other. Okay, why is it necessary? Because there's going to be there's going to be conflict. One person wants one thing, one person wants another thing, and there's no and those two willpowers are incongruent. Or those two willpowers are wanting opposite things, so you need some sort of measurement principle as to which which thing you should go with. Would you say that it's better to get what you want than not get what you want? Like, would you rather be the guy that wins in that argument? Yeah, you would rather be the guy that wins in that argument unless the end Unless you want the th- you want something that is ha- actually harmful for yeah, you, it's not and harmful. you don't realize it's it. cash. Then yes, you want to win in that argument. What what if you have to do a little bit of dirty deed to get there? Um, you get cash. Just do it. Still want to win? Not really. Well, I mean, it depends on how how much. Like if like a sense of of if you think 
something happens to you by doing dirty deeds. All right, so you've sort of fallen into my trap, but huh. you like sort of like grabbed a branch on the way down. That's right. So the notion my that, virtue branch. <laughs> that justice arises from people living mutually together is is kind of right where they land. They say that everybody lives together and this is sort of a compromise between two things. So to do injustice is by nature good and to like get what you want, right? You'd rather be the guy practicing injustice on everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Getting getting your ends and and hosing everybody and then like rising to the top and not caring whose face you stomp on to get there, but you get away with it, right? That is better than having injustice done to you, mm-hmm. right? Being the guy whose face gets stomped on. And everyone kind of agrees that it is, it is much harder to be the stomper than the stompee and it's way worse to be the stompy than to maybe be the stomper. So everyone kind of compromises into this middle ground Mm. and says, all right, well, we'll all just agree to this middle ground of justice so that we don't all get stomped on because it's way more common. It's a lot easier. So I'll read the little section. They say that to do injustice is by nature good to suffer injustice evil, but that the evil is greater than the good. And so when men have, uh, have both done and suffered injustice and have had experience of both, not being able to avoid the one and obtain the other, they think that they had better agree among themselves to have neither. Since there arise, or hence there arise laws, laws and mutual covenants, and that which is ordained by law is termed by them lawful and just. This they affirm to be the origin and nature of justice. It is a mean or compromise between the best of all, which is to do injustice and not be punished, and the worst of all, which is to suffer injustice without the power of retaliation. And justice, being at a middle point between the two, is tolerated not as a good, but as the lesser evil, and honored by reason of the inability of men to do injustice. So that's the notion. So they lay that out, and they say, that's justice. That's, okay. that's where it comes from, right? Where it's a mean between two extremes. Gotcha. Okay? But you said, so they don't necessarily think that. They're just taking Thrasymachus' argument and saying, so... If justice is the interest of the stronger person, then this must be the origin of justice. Well, they, I, they've sort of left Thrasymachus behind at this point. They've said, we don't really know what to believe. Mm-hmm. We've been told that justice is good. We've also been told that justice is bad. Mm-hmm. There are people on both sides, and we haven't heard it well defended ever. Yep. Right? And it sure seems like it would be easy to do injustice and get a lot of cash. All right. So reason number two, those who practice justice do so involuntarily and because they have not the power to be unjust. So they do this by way of a story. Mm-hmm. So there's this farmer, right? Okay. He's, his name is Gyges. Gyges wanders around and he sort of wanders into a crevice during a storm. Oh, and poor guy. That's, it's not, but it know, works it's, out. It's just like a little ravine. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he wanders into the ravine and he, what he <clears> finds <throat> is a giant gilded bull kind of thing. Like uh, if you, if this was, if we were watching Ancient Aliens, this is the part where they would say, I'm not saying it's aliens, mm-hmm. but it was probably an alien <laughs> ship, Good. right? Okay. So it's this giant sort of gilded bull and he opens a hatch and in there he finds this huge body kind of like a king that's dead and there's a ring on it so he snatches the ring mm-hmm. pops it on his finger then he goes back and he's hanging out he's having a fine time and then he goes to a meeting of all the shepherds and in that meeting he's just sort of fiddling with the ring and he turns it so that the setting is inward and he disappears right instantly mm-hmm. disappears and then everybody at the meeting starts talking about him as if he wasn't there and he flips it back and boop he comes back comes back and so he tries it a bunch of times and mm-hmm. every time he turns it inward he turns invisible mm-hmm. and so was in, it his 111th birthday yes. it was, <laughs> I, I, wonderful i was thinking the same thing it <laughs> sure sounds like tolkien read this book probably <laughs> yeah, probably so he turns it inside out and then 
goes to the king's house, seduces the queen, and with her help, oh, kills the king Gaijis. and takes the kingdom. Oh. Right? And the, the basic concept they give in, in point two is like, look, give a righteous man and an evil man that same ring, and they're going to do the same stuff. Like, what man is... You think so? What man is so righteous that he would keep his hands off of other people's goods, that he wouldn't sleep with who he wanted to sleep with, he wouldn't steal something, he wouldn't go about doing horrible things, like... Magby's that righteous. Find me, find yeah. me a man like that. Give Magby that ring. Actually, no, I don't think so. I guess if we're following the Tolkien thing, isn't the, isn't the, the idea that the ring you. is corrupting, mm-hmm. right? So even, so Gaijis wouldn't have done any of those things without the ring, but given the chance, would. Yeah. Right. So Yeah. So here's, here's the quote. If you could imagine anyone obtaining this power of becoming invisible and never doing any wrong or touching what was another, Graham just disappeared. Graham, where'd you... Graham. <laughs> okay, thanks. He would be thought by the lookers-on to be a most wretched idiot, although they would praise him to one another's faces and keep up appearances with one another from a fear that they too might suffer injustice. Enough of this. Hmm. So they would, like, if you, if you had it and you're like, I will only do good, they'd be like, that guy's an idiot. But, oh, great job. Great job, buddy. So that's number two. Okay. And then number three... So that was the origin of justice. That was that all men who practice justice do so involuntarily because given the chance to do injustice, they'll do it. They'll take it. They'll take it. And then the last one is if you compare the life of the just and the unjust man, the unjust man wins out. So they say it's sort of a thought experiment. Take one man and he does injustice, but he is thought just. Mm -hmm. So he is a thoroughly corrupt person, but everyone in the world thinks him the most just man alive, Mm -hmm. right? Now take a really really righteous man mm-hmm. and he has a reputation for being totally wretched and unjust but he has never cheated a man in a day in his never life never cheated a man in a day in his life but everybody thinks so no which man has the better life i uh, mean first one the first one well kind of oh the first one by a huge margin right because if everybody thinks you're a scumbag and you're not a scumbag but they treat you like you are a scumbag that sucks yeah yeah and in this case you'll probably get killed like uh, you're gonna get sure imprisoned stoned hung on the rack unless you reviled, have some but but beaten. But then don't you have some don't sort get married. of sentiment of uh, of that there is an objective eye? Like the, the, there is sort of a divine a divine reward for, you know, doing these doing good in secret. Really hard to feel that when you're being stretched out on a rack. I know, but... I'm, I'm wondering more... But men have done it. Sure. I'm wondering more how does the man feel about his own actions? So is he... Does he think himself a noble person, though he is corrupt? Oh, yeah. He knows. He knows he's noble. Well, then, which makes it even worse. I was gonna say, if, he, I was gonna say, if he's delusional, then pr- it probably is better. Like it would look better for him. But again, objectively, we would look and say he's out of touch with reality, and he's a scumbag. Like that is a worse life to live. So you think this person is out of touch with reality? If he thinks he is noble, but he's actually a liar and a criminal. The first one. No, no, the no, first guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, you think the the. <clears throat> Sorry, my qu- my question is is the is the first man fooled by his own game? Is no, he, he knows he's evil. Oh well, then I think it's a worse life. He, he you has, always he, have that worry of being found out. He has that risk. Yeah, exactly. Of losing everything of people finding out who he really is. Like that is a worse, that's, that's sort of Damocles instead of ring of Gyges, right? Like you have that threat hanging over your head all the time that people could find out about. Yeah. There's something not very nice at the last moment when you're laying on your deathbed and none of these things have come and your last thought is like, I did it. I got away with it. Like that's not, yeah, maybe that doesn't sound like a good, but it's still better than a life of, horrible abject poverty with no family and no friends and completely reviled by society. Sure. I mean, I, I would, I will fa- I, wouldn't I, you trade a feel like a deathbed feeling for a life of absolute terror? But there's something, I mean, um, 
maybe we're just enough of Aristotelians that we have this idea that like virtue is its own that we that we are right. that we so believe that virtue is its own reward that that the integrity of the life of doing the good, um, even in the or AJ, you taught us so well about Boethius. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> that enough. This, uh, the, the changes of fortune uh, mean nothing, or maybe we're just like good little Stoics. Yeah, yeah. The changes of fortune don't you know, mean anything. That we, yeah. Well, you might you might be a little ahead of me here. Oh, that ju- I mean, right? They are but, asking him to prove that justice is its own good. Exactly. And so you guys are already in the place where you believe justice is its own good. But yeah, but now we want the 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 proof. Yeah, but like all the trapping, like the the that first life that has the benefits of virtue without any of the costs of it would look better to most people. Yeah. Right. You get to you are respected. You are put in positions of power. Uh, like all that stuff looks great, but the soul of the person is corrupt. Yeah. And that's, it's hard to weigh those two. Right. So that's, that's all the stuff that Glaucon says. He says, here's my threefold thing. Here are the reasons why justice is stupid. Mm -hmm. And then his brother comes in and says, look, even more. What's his brother's name again? I forget. Adamantus. Adamantius? Adamantus. Adamantium. Isn't that, is that Wolverine? No. Yeah. Okay. Adamantium? Adamantus. That's what it's. A-D-E-I-M-A-N-T-U-S. I I bet it was jacked. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, so he he and chimes Canadian, in, right? Isn't Wolverine's Canadian? He is. Yeah. He's from is Wolverine Canadian? Canadian? Yes, Can- sure. canonically. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, some respect, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good. I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> All right. So his brother comes in and says, "Look, the poets love to praise justice, right? Homer praises it. Hesiod praises it. All those guys say that justice is the best forever, but the prosists, they don't. Mm. The people who write long books, and even gives a quote." Vice may be had in abundance without trouble. The way is smooth and her dwelling place is near. But before virtue, the gods have set toil, right? Sorry, that was that was Hesiod. And then he cites Homer and stuff. And he says, look, there are, there are voices on both sides. Most of the prosists say that evil is easy. It's quick. It's going to lead to a good life. And right, it's right there in front of you. And on top of that, he pulls out a little bit from Homer. The gods too may be turned from their purpose. Uh, and men may pray to them and avert their wrath by sacrifices and soothing entreaties and by libations and odor of fat when they have sinned and transgressed. So he says, look, if you've got a student, some kid who's at least a little bit halfway clever, he's going to look at both of these sources, right? The one praises mm-hmm. justice and mm-hmm. the one that says, look, injustice is easy, right? Being a jerk is super cake sauce. And not only that, but... Is cake sauce a good thing? Like frosting. You don't oh, like frosting? That, I think I didn't know what cake it's sauce. It's probably was. a north northwest sorry. phrase. So sorry. Cake sauce? You guys don't say cake sauce down here? Mm-hmm. Did I've you never, say no, cake sauce in the north? No, must so have been it was a only uh, yeah. a Washington. Sorry, thing. I've never yeah. heard that. Sorry. Okay, good. Cake sauce. Yes. Well, now I feel silly. No, well, it's okay. We've had Canadian <laughs> slang and cake sauce. So, I, yeah. I see you out there, my Washington. My <laughs> just, Washington just take pride Italians. in your culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he says, look, if you have a halfway clever student, he's going to put together that injustice is easy and that the threats that are meant to keep us in, in place, which is a horrible afterlife and the retaliation of the gods, if the gods can be so easy, easily appeased with sacrifices and prayers, then why not just be unjust and then give him the, a cow that you have so easily earned? Mm-hmm. I, uh, this was an argument given to me by someone I remember at university, and he was like, I figured it out deathbed conversion he's like it makes total sense he's like you know i can do whatever i want in this life and then all i just got to do is like sincerely sincerely repent on my deathbed and i'm in then that guy's hit by a bus 
That's what I, that was exactly <laughs> what I told him. That's exactly what was my retort. But even that, I don't think is like a, like. Oh, it's not a good one. It's it, not a the full right one. retort is that the Christian life is a full life. Yes, and also that yeah, that the, the life of vice is not a satisfying one. But uh, and then you're gonna and then you're gonna end up becoming the kind of person that doesn't want to repent on your deathbed anyway. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So there we go. The life of vice is easy, and the gods can be appeased. Justice is just a compromise because being having injustice mm. done to you is terrible. Doing injustice is clearly what everybody wants, and the life of the unjust person is better. So they're giving this sort of pragmatic argument. They're saying, why should we sacrifice for this? Why should we sacrifice the the good the, the sort of the good things that that injustice brings for justice? Yeah. What What's the point? What's the point? Can you prove to me that justice is coming is it, from a different place, or is better, or leads to a better life? When as of right now, it seems like true justice doesn't bring good life. Gotcha. What brings good life is reputation for justice. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you guys are Socrates. What do you do? How do you respond? I guess question each point. Wouldn't he just like nitpick each one and go through it? So we, we until the book's done. What's that? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yes. Until the horse race starts. So didn't. So we were starting to nitpick at the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess he would. I don't know. Start with point one and go through each one. And he might even agree with certain parts of them. I don't know. I mean, can you? Can so you? Like, can you do a good job of taking apart the origin of justice? I mean, we don't know if that's the actual origin of justice. That's that's a narrative story that then leads into his argument. That's not like an actual history of where justice came from. It's like a theory. You know what I mean? Sure. So, is yours better? No, but it would still be a theory. What I'm saying is... Well, what are the alternative theories for where justice came from? Like, what would be the another, another viable option than just the mean between... The, so way, the way of... of necessitated of, by... Yeah, necessitated by culture. Or yeah, necessitated by communities. people being around mm-hmm. each other. So then... Um, this is one of the great ideas, big ideas in Adler is government. Where does government come from? Come from? Does government come from cities being put together or is it pre-city? Does it come from instead the family? So there's a certain internal justice to a family structure. It's a monopoly on violence. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, but it's still, it still is born when people are near each other. And the justice is that people don't want to have bad things done to them. Like you ever had like four kids in a house? It's, it's all about fairness because do one doesn't have, want to get left do out. Do hermits have justice? Yes. Do they have justice? Sure. Okay. So then it's so oh, so a justification for hermits having where? justice. If, right. if it's not a community thing, that's what I'm saying. So again, if your starting place is violent communities need to suppress violence, mm-hmm. you're going to say justice is violence. But if you start from justice, uh, come arises naturally from the family, then, if we understand the polis, the city as a family, mm-hmm. your, your, your starting place is different. Is that it's, uh, there's a lot of violence even in the small family. I mean, it depends on how you define it, violence, but if, if you ever watch kids interact, like mm-hmm. they demand justice because they don't want their toy taken. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be left out. It, it is still a sure. desire to not be yeah, I'm, stomped on. I'm, I'm more getting at your statement of we, everyone wants to commit injustice to get what they want is not necessarily true. Like, Fathers do not want to commit injustice. Mothers do not want to commit injustice. Children might, but that's why children need to become adults, right? That's all, that's all I'm getting at is if, if your starting place is justice comes from violence, then you're, then you're only going to interpret it that way. And neither of these are like actually where justice came from because we don't know. So is the justice between father and kid a different kind? That's what I'm saying. Is it is the is there justice, justice in a city? Is the justice in a city the building up of little families that then create cities, or is city where justice comes from? Because Glaucon is arguing that justice didn't exist before large groups of people came together. Right? He's saying that you need different people groups to come together. You need different families to come together. Or does justice come from somewhere before that? That's as, all I'm posing. As of right now, it seems like 
I don't know, maybe distinction without a difference. Like it, it can come from the family, sure, but it's still a relationship between groups of people and even justice between father and son, right? The, the father doesn't want to have his money stolen by the son and the son doesn't want to be beaten by the father, right? It's still a sort of a, a social agreement, right? The social agreement yes. can be in the family and originate in the family, sure, yes. but I think it can still have their definition of justice where it's a mean between a evil that's easy to fall into and a good that's really hard to get. Sure. I'm just saying the starting place isn't, doesn't necessarily have to be violence. That's all I'm Fair. Oh yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. I, I agree. Um, so then also does justice come from groups or does it come from the individual? That's your question. That's Graham. the big question right. is mm-hmm. if it's, if it's not from groups, then it can't be their definition of Cause justice. We, Cause we, we have senses of right and wrong that precede our interactions with other groups of people. The hermit thinks it is right to be a hermit. That's why he's doing it. So, so there's something that precedes groups of people. But even the hermit by himself could see that something was not fair. Like, yes. you know, he he spends his entire day um, um, collecting his bowl of water. Um, and then um, in the middle of the night, he gets tipped over and all his water is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of this, he could be saying all of my labor and I don't get the fruits of my labor. He would have a sense of it being unfair. And the only place that he could turn his sense of injustice too would be that's the heavens you know like some sort of yeah. sense of so even by yourself i feel like there, right? i feel like yeah so i feel like maybe in like the sense of justice and is is um necessitates relationship or even is just like uh sort of built into the human program from the get-go justices yeah yeah that doesn't necessarily give us a like good this is why little kids why little kids i immediately have the sense of that's not fair it's not mm-hmm. like they were taught what fairness is sure but say, but yes, yes. So, but for that sense of that's fair or not fair, you need interactions between people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it has it, to. It has mm-hmm. to be. Agreed. But it arises. But Graham has still a, an avoidance. So, of, yeah, Graham has a sense of right and wrong. You have a sense of right and wrong. But y'all have to figure out between yourselves like what is actually right. And yeah, wrong. even right, if you're by yourself justice. or if you're in a group, you everyone has a sense of them themselves being a an entity. Yeah, being a person. Yeah, and, and if your bull gets tipped over, usually it's because you've. Entified, ent- entityified. You've you've Become personified something else, right? Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. A yeah. rock has fallen and tipped yeah. over your bull. You're mad at the rock, even though sure. Okay, like there's so a relationship. There. What does Socrates say about point? Uh, Socrates one? dodges the entire question. Oh, um, it's it's one of my favorite responses ever. He goes like, "Boys, that was like good job. That was a good <laughs> argument, you guys. I'm real impressed. Like, is wow, he, and you're good warriors too. Bravo! Like, is he just is he patronizing like that? No, he no. builds him up a little bit. He's honestly like, that was really good. I'm super impressed. And he's like, well, hmm, this is a hard question. <laughs> so why don't we do this? Say, and he uses this analogy, which is kind of awesome. He's like, all right, if you were asked to read a bunch of letters that were really far away and you couldn't do it, what if you found out that the same inscription was somewhere in town and you go look at the letters real big? And then you could go and see the letters real small, right? You've already seen the inscription once. You know what it says. Okay. So why don't we try to find something that can show this to us in a larger scope, right? Rather than asking what is justice in one person, is there something else where we could see justice on a larger scale? And he's like, well, justice is not only a quality of individual men. It's also the quality of a state, right? A state can be just. Sure. So why don't we do this? How about we build a state? And then once we build the state, We'll look for justice there, and if we find it there, maybe we can find what it means in individual people. Okay, right. This seems like I've. Always, this seems like overcomplicating the situation. It seems like what do we, what do we build an entire society instead of just instead answering. of yeah? Oh, oh, so no, justice it, is almost a simpler um, question. Maybe I don't know. I just it just feels like it's the uh, the long way around. I think it's genius. Oh, okay. I love it. <laughs> I, I just I mean it gives him an opportunity to also go into a bunch of his politics and stuff and talk about right. states and people and all. All sorts of things. So, 
I really like this idea. But it does belie the idea that the community, the state, the polis is a macrocosm of the individual. Or that the individual is – that the individual necessitates order the same way that a state necessitates order. Something that kind of disappeared. And if you do not have order in the person, you won't have order in the state. Or that um, that someone like – like if one of our students is just an absolute mess emotionally and relationally and they can't get their stuff together, it's the equivalent of like a state with no walls being ravaged by barbarians. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of... Or there's some upheaval, right? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. So anyway, this is where we get the idea of the tripartite soul. We've mm-hmm. talked about it before, but Podcast number one. Yeah, podcast number one. Which you can't access unless you go to classicalstuff.net. Yep. Well, we'll talk about all that later, but okay. So boys... We're gonna we're gonna try to do what Plato did. Okay. Let's build a state. Okay. All right. So what do you what do you need to start a state? Like what what is the absolute like what brings P- a state together? Oh, what brings it together? Yeah, because you can just have people, but they'll That's just live saying. by themselves. Like they need like a reason to live together. Yeah. So like uh, security would be like an obvious one, um, or food, or like they get like physical needs met by being together that they don't get from being apart. Okay, so physical needs, uh, right? N- necessity. Really dope outfits. Uh, oh, uniforms? Is that, yeah. Okay. But if you're not near people, oh. you don't need to... I mean, like, if I can go without wearing clothes. Oh, there you go. Without clothes, outfits, yeah. Just, like, um, farm in the buff. You need <laughs> ceremonies. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can't do ceremonies on your, by yourself? That's true. You know, you need, you need a reason. You need, you need a... There's some, like, common cause. There's, yeah, like, yeah, common some, cause. Some, something that brings us all together, which I guess could be just meeting physical needs, but, like... There needs to be something that we can do better because there are lots of us. And yeah, so, like maybe the reason we're building this farm mm-hmm. and that you and Sarah can be part of it is because mm-hmm. you own a great smoker. Ah, uh, yes. And, and I so want, now I get to yeah, share that skill that with many meat. people. Yeah, yeah, good. Seriously. <laughs> you you own a great smoker and he is a great smoker. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. That's good. That's a good plan. Nice pipe. Got my pipe. Okay, so I, I think you guys have hit on it. Necessity. Mm-hmm. Necessity is what brings the state together. C.S. Lewis echoes this in The Great Divorce. Right. Yeah. You guys, you guys read that book. Mm-hmm. You remember that hell, the reason that no one hangs together in hell is that all their need needs to. are met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They can think of a house and the house is instantly there. So there's no reason for them to be near other people. So they keep moving further and further away. So no true community happens because right. everyone just sort of hates each other. Yeah. We, we accept a certain level, certain level of discomfort and annoyance because it's because our needs are met easier in community than, than if we just, uh, but if all of our then if we didn't have our needs met, but if all of our needs are met, the natural human inclination, at least Lewis says, is to is to like go further own. and further out. Yeah, and that I mean that happens, but then sometimes those people die, right? There's yeah. the, the story of the kid. Uh, what was it like? Into the wild. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. Movie? yeah. He um, he wanted to go and live on his own, but right. then he ate some things he shouldn't have eaten and and died because of it because yeah. he didn't have people there to help take care of him. What was right? his name? I don't remember. He's got, was, he's got a sweet last name. I remember his last name was Starbuck. It was cool. Starbuck. <laughs> Not that. Okay. So you, uh, people come together because of needs, yeah. right? Because Christopher we have McCandless. Is that McCandless? Yeah. Right. I always thought it was a cool, cool name. name. So we come together because of needs. So what needs, what, what people need to be in a state to meet our needs, right? So let's, let's start putting different types of people in our state. What sort of, we got, if we're there to meet our needs, who needs to be in our state? People who are good at me, at producing various things that meet those needs. Okay. What needs have, have to be met? Food. food. Okay. Food. So we need a husband and we, we need a farmer. Clothing. Yep. Clothing. Like we need a weaver. Shelter. Uh, we need a builder. So I'm going to like, uh, make sure we don't like get killed by other like big cities. 
um, like a soldier class or something. Okay, we'll get there. Okay. You're, you're jumping a little bit ahead because right now all we are is like two farms and a guy that makes. We clothes. still would need anyway. Just yeah, someone would need to protect us. So the first couple of turns on civilization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nobody's nobody's coming to steal your deer quite yet. Okay, so good, you good you good have it. a few. Two turns. The barbarians yeah. haven't spawned. Okay. <laughs> you got a little bit of time to uh, to get it together. And you guys have nailed it. The, the, uh-huh. Those are the free first three things that Plato says. He's uh-huh. like, look, we've got uh, farmers, we've got builders, and we've got weavers, and maybe a shoemaker because a weaver ain't necessarily great at making shoes. Sure. All right. And he's like, you know what? It's is it better if men try to do a lot of things or if they try to do one thing? It's better for the community if it's one thing. Yeah. But it's hard to do all this. All it's the hard things. to do all the things. All the, right? You can't do them all well. Right. right. So if I'm a husbandman and mm-hmm. I'm trying to farm and raise animals and raise chickens and build a plow and make all my tools and do all the things. Like there are you'll people have, that can do this. You'll have crappy shoes. But you're going to yeah. have crappy shoes. You're going to have real bad clothes. Your house is going to suffer because you're trying to, like you can't do everything. So it's better if you do one thing. Mm-hmm. So for my farmer... If I'm supposed to do one thing, if I'm supposed to farm, what people are needed to sort of supplement and help me oh. make other stuff? Tool makers. Okay, so I need a I need a blacksmith. You need a blacksmith. You need a, you know weaver so you can get your clothes. So you right. Make you Someone still like need raising that animals weaver. and mm-hmm. stuff. Like if you're using animals to plow or land a or vet who can like help uh, take sick animals. animals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I might need a vet. That's not mentioned in the Republic, but so far you guys are mentioning all things that are mentioned by cool. Plato. So we need a vet. We probably need someone to make some tools. Uh, we need someone to raise animals. Mm-hmm. So we may need like a shepherd, mm-hmm. right? What, what else is needed for our farmer to survive? Someone who can like mill your grain to make bread. Yeah. yeah. Turn it into something useful. Okay. So mill the grain, make bread. Just like all the cooking, like, yeah, again, taking stuff from the Baker, ground. And, yeah. Cooker. All right. So, so someone to make make food, make that faster. Because if you have to step out every day for two hours mm. per meal, it's just not it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. You need some sort of bureaucratic agency to grate your eggs AAA. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, naturally. Obviously. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yes. Naturally. He, he stands in the middle of town and you just bring your chicken and eggs. AAA. 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 Yes. What, whatever happens to like the single A eggs? Have you ever had a, uh, a McMuffin? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Thank you so much. <laughs> I applaud you, sir. Gross. Yeah. Super gross. Oh, gross. I figured, okay. I mean, I don't think You're not I'm, wrong. Yeah. I don't think I'm wrong. You're probably not wrong. That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. So we need carpenters, smiths, artisans, right? Okay. What if, man, what if our region, like what if we're in, say, the Fertile Crescent and we need to build a house, but they just like, look outside. We got oaks oh, and yeah. cedars. Oh, oh my goodness. We're going to have like crooked houses. So we need someone who can maybe travel to get... Ah, nice trees. So we might need an importer. Oh, man. Right? So now we need an imp- a, a whole class of importers to bring mm-hmm. in stuff from outside that we might need. Maybe we can't get a lot of metal here. Or mm-hmm. like we're not no, getting tin, right? We're no not salt getting, mines. Like, to yeah, send there's the, no salt mines. Send the students to. <laughs> yes, naturally. <laughs> oh, I want... That's, what, that's our new If we ever find a salt deposit, yeah. I think we oh, just found that is detention right there. Exactly oh, school. sure that's do. Right. Salt mines. And then we could, like, we could sell it. We could have artisan salt. We could have, like, classical salt and sell it. Is it called... Was it the Kessel Spice Mines? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Where the droids don't want to go? Yeah. Oh, God. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> we need importers and what are they supposed to take? Stuff that we have excess yeah, of. Yeah, we, we need to have an excess of things. Okay. So we need we need excess, right? So we need to make more than we are. Than we if consume, there is only a way consume. that we could turn our labor into a portable utility oh, that man. could transfer from one location to another. Be so nice. What? What? If only we had currency. If only we had. Ah, okay, maybe currency. Mm-hmm. But how are we? How are our exporters and importers being transported? 
Uh, we, we need to like make vehicles. Uh, ship if it's by water. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Or a wagon if it's by land. Sure. Or yeah. Horses. Ship, we need water, someone. Horses. Horse. We, we need someone to tame horses. And okay, we need some people to sail. So our our state is getting pretty big, right? Yeah, we started out with people. just like three people: yep. builder, farmer, and uh, and a tailor. And now, well, maybe a shoemaker if they're mm-hmm. really feeling sassy. Mm-hmm. And now we've grown to, I mean, we're talking hundreds of people, right? It's going to be pretty big. Sure. Yeah. Pretty big. We can still probably fit in a single city, right? Yeah. Okay. And when Plato was making this, he's thinking city-state, right? Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a single city's worth of people. Right. What about the um, the church in the center of town to serve our... Oh, is it embarrassing we our, didn't come up with this? Our monastic needs. Our spiritual our needs? Our spiritual needs. Okay. I, I don't think we necessarily need that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're, Wait, we're not quite wow. there, but we might, right? Yeah, Send your kids to her. <laughs> we have to uh, we have to take care of our uh, our like base physical needs first. Okay, not gotcha. live on bread alone, but oh, interesting. <laughs> I know a lot of people that live on bread alone. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, I eat vegetables too. I guess that's true. That's right. Yes. Okay, so we need sailor sailors, right? Mm-hmm. And our so when our say our farmer finishes with his day, mm-hmm. is he supposed to take all of, all of his bushels and go sit in the market like with his bushels oh, and gosh, sell them no. at the same time? No. He needs like a middleman to who can sell his bushels throughout the workday because no okay. one's going to go shopping at night. Yeah, so we need retailers okay. and we need some hirelings. So mm-hmm. we need a whole race of sellers, okay. right? Okay, is there anything else needed in our state? We've got importers, exporters. We've got people to do the job. Uh, we can add a church, sure. <laughs> but now we're Appease fat and juicy for, right. uh, for plundering. Have okay. Bandits bond is that what's fat happened? and juicy for plundering? Okay. And so, can you describe life right now? Awesome. Life is where yeah, where we've everyone has a job, and it like matters to the community. And it matters to the community, and everyone has a place that uh, constitutes the flourishing of that community. Yeah. Okay. It's a bucolic dream. Oh, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Sounds nice. We, it seems like we uh, maybe you guys have assumed this in there, but it seems like we're missing some luxury. Oh. No, we no, don't need, we don't need luxury. Nope, luxury. Okay, it's going to make us soft. Oh, man. let me. Oh, you guys are so good at this. Thanks. How are you guys so good at this? How did I get hooked up with two such astute gentlemen? Gra- Graham has read this book before. It's because we've... Yeah, but I've, I'm guessing it's been long enough that he doesn't remember all the details. Us of three men in our lives have tasted luxury at mm. some point and, and have find, rejected it, it because it of the softness that it was ascribing to our character. Yeah. And we st- went for the struggled, strenuous life. Of poverty. That sounds real nice. I started at the bottom, now I'm here, boys. Oh. <laughs> I, I like me a little bit of luxury. Okay, let me read this little bit. So he, they, they finish up and they say, okay, we've got our hirelings, we've got our servants, we got the people to stand in the in the market, we've got ex- importers and exporters, and Plato feels done, or, or uh, Socrates feels done, and he says, let us then consider first of all what will be their way of life now that we have thus established them. Will they not produce corn and wine and clothes and shoes and build houses for themselves? And when they are housed, they will work in summer, commonly stripped and barefoot, but in winter substantially clothed and shod. They will feed on barley meal and flour of wheat, baking and kneading them, making noble cakes and loaves. These they will serve upon a mat of reeds or on clean leaves, themselves reclining the while upon beds strewn with yew or myrtle. And they and their children will feast, drinking of the wine which they have made, wearing garlands on their heads and hymning the praises of the gods in happy converse with one another. And they will take care that their families do not exceed their means, having an eye to poverty or to war. Sounds idyllic. Sounds great to me. Really nice. Not a lot of luxury though. But then said Glaucon interposing, you have not given them a relish to their meal, right? Right now, that's that's a lot of barley and a lot of wheat and yeah. a lot of leaves, but I want not a little lot wine. Of, I want a little oil. Sauce, get some cheese right? in there. I'm not, I'm not getting any spice. Like, there's no oregano in there. Uh, I'm yeah. not yeah. hearing. So true, I replied. I had forgotten. 
Of course, they must have a relish, salt and olives and cheese, and they will boil roots and herbs such as country people prepare. For a dessert, we shall give them figs and peas and beans. I don't know why beans make dessert. Yes, well, and they will roast myrtle berries. No, like and sweet beans, like those Japanese uh, things you buy. Like the what like are you sweet, talking about? sweet bean Never paste. I don't know what you're sweet talking bean about. Paste? Sweet bean paste is a thing? It's amazing. It's really good. You can get them frozen. Are you talking about toothpaste? No, 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 no. You're not supposed to eat that. You never had tooth beans? Listen, you listeners out there, you culture listeners out there, help me. (laughs) So good. Okay. So he says, and they will roast myrtle berries and acorns at the fire, drinking in moderation. And with such a diet, they may be expected to live in peace and health to a good old age and bequeath a similar life to their children after them. Just so I'm clear, is he describing these are like simple luxuries? Yeah. So he's still kind of trying to maintain like, look, just keep it simple. Sure. Glaucon does not like that idea. Yes, Socrates, he said. And if you were providing for a city of pigs, how else would you feed the beasts? He's like, wow, that sounds great if we're hogs, but we're humans. Then what would you have, Glaucon? I replied. Why, he said, you have given them ordinary conveniences of life. People who are to be comfortable are accustomed to lie on sofas and dine off tables, and they should have sauces and sweets in the modern style. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said. Now I understand. <laughs> Graham, you sound very interested. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, no, I'm agreeing. Okay, good. The question which you have would have me consider is not only how a state, but how a luxurious state is created. And possibly there's no harm in this, for in such a state we shall more likely we are more likely to see how justice and injustice originate. And so he goes on and he says, like, you want to see a state in fever heat, right? And we got to add sofas and tables and furniture and dainties and perfumes and incense and courtesans and cakes and all kinds of stuff. All right. So what happens to our state when that happens? We get immoderate. We get immoderate. What else happens? Good. We start to like luxury. So you get this like class of people who like only luxuriate. So in our previous community, everyone had an important job. Yep. But now you have like useless jobs or, okay. you know what I mean? Like jobs that don't. Jobs that are just catering to these to higher luxury. T- to we these, start bringing to in these finer things. Gold and ivory <laughs> and like really out. nice coffees, even though mm-hmm. the local mm-hmm. coffee's okay. We don't. Yeah. Right. So what happens when we start needing exporters and workers in fine gold and workers in fine things and perfumers and performers and poets and players and all that stuff? What, hap- what happens to our state? I mean, not everybody can have those finer things. Okay. Not everybody can have those finer things. Like so a separation? Yeah. There's separation of the haves and have nots. Sure. Yeah. It also gets bigger. Yes. Mm, oh, for sure. Totally right? gets bigger. And when our state begins to push on the edges of our borders, what happens? Say that again. Other other states get a little grumpy sauce. Because we're, we're expanding uh, into yeah. their territory. We're getting bigger, okay. right? And we're going to need a little extra. So he says, then we must enlarge our borders for the original healthy state is no longer sufficient. Now will the city have to fill and swell with a multitude of callings which are not required by any natural want, like you guys were saying, mm-hmm. right. right? People who have useless, useless jobs such as the whole tribe of hunters and actors of whom one large class have to do with forms and colors, another with votaries of music, poets and their attendant train of rhapsodists and players and dancers and contractors and makers of articles and women's dresses and more servants and tutors and nurses wet and dry and hairdressers and barbers and confectioners and cooks and swineherds and all these people. And of course, our, our state is going to swell immeasurably because we're not just meeting needs. True. Now we are living in style, gentlemen. Mm. Yeah. We got to go conquering. Okay. Now, if we need to go conquering... There's a job we need. Conqueror, conquistadors. We need soldiers. All right, so our soldiers, where are we to get those? The buffest of our young. Yeah. Okay, why the buffest of our young? Because we need them to throw down. You need people who are like capable of going to war. But if you take the young people, like they're supposed to become farmers and stuff. I don't, maybe you have more kids is an option, but it it just seems. Set up an academy. I don't know if you'd want. Like a West Point. Oh, I guess. Or 
do you have people who are like bad farmers? I don't know. Do you have a class of people at this point who like aren't useful for anything except being buff? I don't know. Maybe, but who who is going to make the best soldiers? The young, right? Sure. The the young people from our community who care about the community. The ones that have a natural propensity to violence that can be channeled effectively. Yeah, spiritedness, right? Mm -hmm. And so he talks a little bit about war, and he says, Then without determining as yet whether war does good or harm, thus much we may affirm that now we have discovered war to be derived from causes which are also the causes of almost all the evils in states, private as well as public. War comes from luxury, Mm. right? Right. That's kind of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. When we expand so much that we don't just use our basic needs. Yeah, when was the last time you saw, like, the Amish <laughs> the, like, like, organizing really the borders? Yeah, just right? really push it on their borders. It's right? <laughs> <laughs> good. Or, like, the hippies that live in little communes aren't exactly going out and, <laughs> and warring on the, you know, surrounding cities. Yeah. So, yeah, he pretty much says war is, like, luxury is the cause of war, which is mm. really interesting to me. I never really thought about that before. I yeah. don't think it's entirely accurate. But it certainly does push push your state to be a little bit larger. Yeah, because you would have you could conceive of just grudges between two sets of people that live in that first city that we were talking wars about. Wars for love. Sure. And there's also humanitarian yes. wars. If the oh, city next to us is like abusing their people, <laughs> yes. then maybe I might go to war to mm-hmm. like for noble causes. Right? There, there are yeah. other, other reasons, reasons to go mm-hmm. to war. Yeah. But like, so Graham with the Plantagenets is luxury the reason that there is so much conflict in? with the Plantagenets. I'm just trying to draw connections. Yeah, but then everything gets... Then you have... But then as history goes by, then you've got this sense that things were lost. So a lot of the wars of the Plantagenets were to try to reclaim parts of France that they felt were their natural um, spheres of influence that had been taken from them. Mm-hmm. So then uh, as... I mean, as, as the story continues, then you have wars of revenge and you've got wars of... Um, of yeah, it's not just luxury... Um, yeah, it's not it's not just luxury, mm-hmm. but he does say that war is, you know, originates there. Mm-hmm. So you've said we need younglings mm-hmm. whose spirits can be effectively directed. Is that what you said? Yep. You guys, I'm I'm actually super impressed at how well you are sort of figuring out this state business. <laughs> because I quote, he's talking about the spirited young men. Whereas I said they ought to be dangerous to their enemies and gentle to their friends. If not, they will destroy themselves without waiting for their true enemies to destroy them. Mm. So not only spirited, but spirited that can be directed, Mm -hmm. right? And he says, how are we ever going to find people like that? And he's like, well, we were just talking about animals. Don't we have one kind of like that in the dog? Right? Friendly towards friends, hateful towards enemies. And it guards your sheep and whatnot. Guards your sheep. And then we get into one of my favorite passages in this whole book. Mm-hmm. Why a dog, he says a, a, a dog has all these qualities. A dog, whenever he sees a stranger, is angry. When an acquaintance, he welcomes him, although the one has never done him any harm, nor the other any good. Did this never strike you as curious? So dogs just sort of instinctively know who's bad and who's good. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, the matter never struck me before, but I recognize the truth of it. And he says, and surely this instinct of the dog is very charming. Your dog is a true philosopher. Oh, right? He knows what he likes and he knows what, what he hates only by the test of knowledge and ignorance. Yeah. Do I know you? Nope. Therefore, I hate you. So he says, our dog is a philosopher. And so therefore, our warriors too. Scruffertees. Should. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's so good. <laughs> Have we found our next shirt? How would they all come from Graham? This is wonderful. Scruff, scruff, scruffertees. Yeah, scruffertees. So yeah, and I'm trying to think of other ones. Oh man, Who, yeah. what are some, what are some other philosophers? Well, Plato, Aristotle, um, Kant could easily be be Pant. Kant. 
Pond. 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 Sounds very good. It's good. I got nothing. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of a good one for Nietzsche. Uh, yeah. It, it's, oh, it's, Hegel could be Begel. There you go. Old begging <laughs> dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. We, we, we shall think on this a little further. Mm-hmm. We got a whole line of these. Okay. Okay. That's great. All right. So the question is, if we want to make our young men into thoughtful warrior philosophers, we must first turn an eye to education. Okay. Right. Like, I know this has been a really crazy journey in book two. We go from what is justice? And he's like, well, let's take a complete left turn and build a state. Mm -hmm. So we've built our state out. And he's like, well, we're going to war and we have to figure out how to make our warriors a pleasant sort of people that hurt enemies and love us. Why can't we just go back to the first one where we didn't have the luxury? I feel like we 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 don't have these problems. It'd be really easy, right? And then we get invaded and we're like, well, I guess you can have our acorns, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we just idolizing that like would we actually want to live in that society probably not i mean we would have there would be a creep we would eventually want like one little thing and be like okay well i don't want i want I know like that, nicer coffee i don't want acorn coffee and graham loves his cheese and i, I love, love my cheese love my, yeah, yeah, I love, some yeah cheese and, i need some nice cheese and some like red wine with you know with your, that cheese with i also like bean, so, and what are, sweet bean oh, paste oh, for oh, dessert so gross. this is Sorry. such a fun oh. question well we'll get to the rest of this in, in just a moment but what are what are like areas in your guys' lives where you require luxury? Like, what are the things that you'll spend money on? Do you guys food. need examples? Food, for sure. You 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 spend money on food? Yeah. But, uh... Are you talking about, like, quality? You're saying you buy good yeah, food. You yeah, you buy, like, food. quality stuff. So, like, we... There's a farmer's market that meets right outside our apartment, and we will get the ground beef from the guy who killed the cow himself and raised that cow... And yeah, the ground beef is maybe more per pound than you get at Whole Foods, but the the, the food the, the quality of food is so much better. And or like a fresh chicken, we bought a fresh chicken this weekend. It was killed like two days ago. It's never been frozen. It's fresh, and when you eat it, it's like the flavor of chicken is very different than the flavor of chicken that I grew up it's eating. Chicken so that doesn't taste like chicken. I know. No, it, t- it tastes like actual chicken. Whereas, the, whereas platonic, it doesn't. Platonic ideal. I feel yeah. like I'm in the Matrix right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't even. So know. it's chicken uh, tastes like. Everything. So I feel, and that's that. Like that's worth uh, to me. That's that's luxury. Hmm. Um, okay, so food. Do mm-hmm. you spend on anything else? I feel like you spend on good coffee. But uh, no, you're not very discerning. No, in the I'm school not very day. discerning in my coffee tastes. Yeah, I don't know. I so like we we buy. We buy local things also. I don't know if we'd call it luxury. So, like, we do community-supported agriculture, but I don't know. Oh, I do love a good Negroni. Oh, there you go. Negronis aren't inexpensive. I I spend on nice soaps oh, mm, yeah, yeah. for the shower. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm going to buy that $5 organic bar of soap, even though I could get Irish Spring for, like, 60 cents a bar. Yeah. It's just better. Yeah. It's way, like, that's one area it where I, dry your skin. I pay for. Yeah, and, and it doesn't leave a residue yeah, 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 as much. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are a lot of reasons. And just the smell, it smells so have much tried better. pine tar soap? I have. It's yeah, fantastic. I love pine tar. Yeah, I love sure. pine tar soap. It smells like grandpa. That's it. You can make that yourself. I don't know. That's why, uh, that's why I'm having trouble calling these things. Because you think these, because they are, we could have achieved them in the simple living yeah, scenario. Like, th- yeah. They like are. Like the, the, the tasty ground beef. The tasty ground beef, the, 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 the vegetables I'm talking about that come literally from like just outside of town, the. We have a Pine bee maker at our school. A what maker? A bee, not a bee maker, honey maker. Honey. She got bees and we, the honey is really good. Oh, the honey is really it's good. It's really local. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Are those luxuries? Like those, again. Check them out. Like, Hobble gobbles honey. But they're, they're <laughs> luxuries. <laughs> I don't in, think but, that's the, anyway. <laughs> but in the modern world where like you've got mass produced honey. Yes. And mass produced like ground beef. They yeah. end up being luxuries because, mm, because they are rare. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't need like bling and 
like Bugattis or whatever they're called. <laughs> I would love a Bugatti <laughs> so much. Really? Oh, so much. Okay. Anyway, back to the back to the tale. So we're gonna educate our young, right? And uh-huh. we, we are starting at a complete books. I spend money on books. Blank slate. Yeah. Okay, good books, mm-hmm. sure. But you can you can find really cheap books. For I like, know, but I'm not saying I'm not, again. I don't know if that's a luxury. So, but then you need the luxury because now you need the space in order to have the books. Pens. Pen. Oh, oh yes, that yeah, is, yes. Yeah, you sure. spend on nice pens. That's true. For those who have never met us, um, I somehow instituted some sort of aristocratic snobbery into the English department by getting us all hooked on fountain pens, and we yep. all now have Very fancy nice fountain, fountain pens. pens. Yep. Yeah. Oh, dang. And ink-stained fingers because so, of it. So, apparently, I'm, I'm way behind on time. All right, keep going. This next, this next little bit will have to be fast. So, okay. he pretty much says, we're going to educate our young, and we're going to do it in two ways. Music and gymnastics. And music what? includes <laughs> calisthenics. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, it's, it's basically like thought and body. Yeah. Say, right? The gymnasium meant something different to them. Right? Yeah. That. And thought, thought involves a lot of things, and one of those things is literature. Yeah. And you start with untrue literature Poems. and move to true. So untrue meaning like fables, okay. right? It has, oh, a, it has like an element of versus, truth, but it's a okay. fiction, right? Yeah. And then we move to true literature. Uh-huh. Is there any censorship we should do? Is there any stories we don't want to give our kids? Just to be clear, this is only for the raising of the soldier people? Yeah. Well, I, I think we eventually extend this to all young in the whole state. I mean, we, we never know which ones are going to turn out to be soldiers. Yeah, let's, yeah. Not, t- let's not give them stories where the uh, unjust person like gets away with it and lives a happy life. Well, there's huh. certain like vulgar stuff that you all, like, yeah, we sense, we censor all kinds of things before yeah. they go to our kids. So any, any, anything where there's like heavy Obs- strife and it turns out well, or obscene material. Oh, so Shakespeare's gone. Uh, well, well, like, certain ages. And Homer's gone. at certain ages. Yes. Yeah, at certain ages. Yeah. And the Odyssey is gone. Yeah. At certain ages, you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't read the full depictions of like the heads being split open to like, Five-year-olds. Okay. All right. So, that, and that's one thing he says is we got to, we got to censor all this stuff. Hmm. Any, really? any time where there is strife, any time where there, where evil is spoken well of, all of that has to go. And even more weirdly, he says, any tales where God uh, is the originator of the evils of the world. Oh, interesting. Anything where there is strife in heaven, anything where a God has to change shapes and lie because a God would have no reason to lie. In fact, I'm, I wish I had more time for this, but. Don't they have a bunch of, aren't there a bunch of Greek stories where that happens? Uh, yes. Okay. Basically all of Homer goes away. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, every fable about the gods goes away because huh. Zeus is a doofus. Right. Um, it talks about the, it, it kind of goes over the problem of evil, mm. right? If there is evil in the world, how can that come from a good God? And they kind of, he goes through talking about it and says, well, evil clearly can't originate from the gods. So any evil that comes out of them is clearly false. Mm. Right, so we got to do away with all those stories. Any story where they fight with each other because that doesn't make sense if they're good, right? right? God should be perfectly good. And even crazier, the doctrine of immutability shows up here. Um, the immu- immutability of God. And he says, look, you can only be changed by things without you or within you, mm-hmm. right? And gods are not subject to pressures from without, right? And if there's pressure from within, well, if the gods are perfect, what are they going to change to? Any change will be a change away from perfection. And why in the world would they want to do that? So they're resistant to outside change and they don't want to change from the inside because they're already great. So anything where a God changes or seems to change has to go. So the stories of Proteus, the shape-shifting sea God, Mm. that's got to go. He's a shape-shifter. Thetis, I think, changes shapes at one point. That's got to go. Anything. And the other guy's like, well, what if they, you know, have a reason to shape-shift, you know, if they want to deceive an enemy? And he says, well, that... They could surely do it in a different way. And so he says for an education, there can be no stories of 
evil, of strife, of talking back to your parents, of infighting, of civil war, anything about the gods being evil, anything about the gods making mistakes or changing. Hmm. That So pretty much what's left, That's boys. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, very little. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that there was such heavy censorship here so that when, as the kids grow, they don't believe that strife in a community is a thing that can happen. Yeah. Uh, but, but then you get all these fables that right. where they're full of strife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like kids are like kids are scared. Mm-hmm. Like kids, uh, like fear is natural to a small child. And so then the question is, you can do two things. You can try to eliminate all stories about fear, or you can give children scary stories that have the resolve at the end. Uh, anyway, so this is this is sort of some some the psychology of yeah. myth that we can get into. But um, and I wonder if Plato has been around. Kids. Like think of think uh, of Aesop's fables, or yeah. think of like the Hans Christian right. Andersen, where they're like mm-hmm. terrible stories, like right. witches and ovens and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think kids need fables to tell them how to do strife. Hmm. If you've if you've raised kids or tried to teach kids or been around kids, you know they that know strife, strife happens naturally. Right. <laughs> Default settings. Right. Default <laughs> setting sure. is I'm going to take your toy and break and break it because I didn't get one of the same or I want to or like there's, there's a whole lot of impulse and not a whole lot of impulse control. I don't think they're thinking back to fables when they want to take each other's toys. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, that censorship, I don't think is going to do the job that he wants it to do. Anyway, that's where this book ends is okay. they censor it. They talk about how God is totally immutable, unchangeable. And the problem of evil should be attributed to men and not gods. And that's the end of it. Like it's, it's, has he uh, resolved Glaucon's concerns? No. Okay. Uh, the, the question of what justice is will span the rest of the the Republic. Okay. Yeah. They're going to spend the rest of the book building up this city. And then at the end, they're going to tie it together kind of. So book one was kind of the setup and like Mm -hmm. a weak version of what you could do. And then book two was, here's the setup for the rest of the entire thing, Mm -hmm. which is building a state so that when we look at the state, we can figure out what makes a man just just but because we'll, we can see what makes a state just but we'll learn more about that state in book three also mm-hmm. yeah we're going to keep learning about the state for a while mm-hmm. they, they need to go through organization of child rearing and social organizations and who governs and why and how to keep your warriors from murdering everyone and like that's it's, it's going to be stuff. a long journey i think all of it's interesting and i'm really excited to go further have you guys liked book two Should yep, yeah, doing this? Good. yeah this for sure fun. yeah listeners out there if you want me to keep going i know that i'm kind of going in, into depth here yep. holler at us and uh, i can either abandon the project or Keep going. I'm I'm super interested yeah, in all this stuff. I like, so. I like it. Whenever I read, when I was a kid, or not kid, but when I was in undergrad and read uh, Plato's Republic, I still remember, I had the same feeling that I had now, which is I wish the story ended before the luxury came in. Right. Of, the, of, the, of, the, of the city. It right. seemed like that was, there Thank was something just sort of satisfying. It's like Hobbiton, right? Mm. Um, anyway. And Plato seems to feel that way too. Yeah. Right? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's sort of hard to pin down what Plato thinks Versus what Plato says. Yeah. Like is that first, we talked about this last time with that first guy who gave the definition of justice, of justice and was like, well, I'm tired. Like it was a great, it was a great definition. <laughs> now I'm sleepy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so we have some shout outs to give because we talked about if you had listened to all hundred episodes. Yeah. So we have some shout outs and then the first person gets a, a place of honor. So congratulations, Joel. You were the first listener to email in and say you listened to 100 episodes. So you get a very special foy, 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 a, a ceremonial fui from all of us. All right, ready? All One, two, three. Foy, 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 foy. All right. Um, Evelyn, thank Sorry, you. That was my first time. Evelyn ever has that. also listened to 100 episodes, and Lauren, and Micah, and Brett, and someone on iTunes. Was it? Was it? 
Um, uh, I can't remember. I didn't write down their name. Something. Drave, Draven. 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 I think that was bees, that right. Bees will look it up. Yeah. So thank you to all those who have listened to the 100 episodes. It's crazy to think that you did that. Did that. Yeah. Seriously. And if you want to go get the episodes, if you're a new listener and you're like, wow, I can't even get the full 100 because the first few have dropped off iTunes. Well, you can always go find them on our website, classicalstuff.net. That's every episode can be found there as far as I know. I looked and listened recently, so they're still there. And I have something, gentlemen, to add to our commonplace book. You know, remember how we used to do that? Yeah. This is a poem that I was reading, reading the other day, and something jumped out and made me realize that this is the poem for the podcast. Sure. This is called, Oh, Tell Me the Truth About Love by W.H. Auden. <clears throat> I will read it for you. Okay. Some say love's a little boy, and some say it's a bird. Some say it makes the world go round, some say that's absurd. And when I asked the man next door, who looked as if he knew, his wife got very cross indeed and said it wouldn't do. Does it look like a pair of pajamas or the ham in a temperance hotel? Does its odor remind me of llamas or has it a comforting smell? Is it prickly to touch as the hedge is or soft as the eider down fluff? Is it sharp or quite smooth as the edges? Oh, tell me the truth about love. Our history books refer to it in cryptic little notes. It's quite a common topic on the transatlantic boats. I found <laughs> the subject mentioned in accounts of suicides and even seen it scribbled on the back of railway guides. Does it howl like an angry Atlastian or boom like a military band? Could one give a first-rate imitation or a saw on a Steinway grand? Is it singing at parties a riot? Does it only like classical stuff? Hey! <laughs> Will it stop when one wants to be quiet? Oh, tell me the truth about love. Do you want me to finish it? That was the to shout out. It's a little bit longer, so I won't finish it. But yes, the truth about love is that it only it likes, likes classical, classical stuff. stuff. <laughs> so that is now our poem, uh, our patron poem. Uh, oh, tell me the truth about love. I read it and I laughed. And my wife, who was half asleep, was like, stop reading. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can find us at classicalstuff.net and on their website, you can find all of the back episodes that are slowly disappearing, um, from iTunes, um, like, uh, uh, like the, the, the things in, in Remember Back to the Future when they hold the photograph mm -hmm. and like his family disappears. That's right. like our podcast. Yeah. Um, and so you can find those, uh, on classicalstuff.net. And you can tweet at us at classical stuff, C L S S C A L stuff at twitter.net.com. Nope, nope, nope. Netcom. Nope. Did you also hear that Jack Dorsey's Twitter got hacked this weekend and was tweeting out terrible things? He's the CEO of Twitter and made me laugh. Oh, that's that's rough. Rough day Monday morning, or I guess Tuesday morning since it's Labor Day. Anyway, any? do we have any last things before? Negative. Have a great cool, day, cool. everybody. Well, thanks for listening, <laughs> and we will talk at you again later. Bye. Bye. Bye.